Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. Angie is here with me today. She's a freelance graphic designer who lives in LA with her husband and a rescue pup. Welcome, Angie. Hi, it's really nice to talk to you as well. It's really good to have you in my show. So um, I want to know more about you in general, because you grew up in rural Illinois. Mm -hmm. And now going from there to Los Angeles, I'm guessing it's a very big change. So (laughs) (laughs) so I just want to know a little bit more about how did you get from Illinois all the way to Los Angeles? Sure. So, um, yeah, I grew up in a town of just under a thousand people um, in Illinois. And uh, it was actually pretty close to Chicago, though. So I kind of got bitten by um, the city bug. Like I just, you know, once I saw Chicago, I was like, okay, this is what I need. Um, and in a kind of roundabout way, I ended up going to college in, and I got my graphic design degree in Chicago. And then I, tr- um, and then I moved to LA. So it was about 10 years in Chicago, loved it. The weather is a little bit tricky, <laughs> but loved it. I felt completely at home there. Um, and when I got the chance to move to LA, um, I kind of figured it was the best of both worlds in, in a sense, because, you know, it's a city and there's wonderful weather. Um, and I've been here for about 15 years. That's great. I've never been to LA. I really want to go to the West Coast. I, I always like every time I go to the States, I spend most of my time on the East Coast. I've been to the Midwest maybe a couple of times, um, but I definitely need to check out the West Coast for sure. It's, you know, it's different. It's more laid back, at least comparing LA to Chicago. It's more laid back. And I had to get used to that. Yeah. But it's beautiful. Um, and it's beautiful in different ways than um, other cities, especially on the East Coast. It looks very different. The, the architecture is very much inspired by um, Mexico and like uh, Central America. Like there mm-hmm. are um, like the colors and the plants and even what people have brought. It's just it's pretty great. And there's just, you know, almost year round, you know, that we have our issues. We have fires. Um, and uh, and that sort of thing. But right now, everything is blooming. Like I have my window open and it smells amazing. Wow. I wish I could be there. Um, you know, I have I have a very close cousin of mine lives in, but she lives in San Francisco. And she's like, oh, you need to come and visit. Definitely want to do that. Um, but I, I know a few people who actually live in LA. And there's something that, so, you know, as I told you before we started this interview, there's an uprising going on in my country right now. And uh, it's it hasn't been easy to go out and to kind of like, I don't know, maybe see different things. I have to spend a lot of time indoors. And I have a, a someone I know in LA. I don't know if you've heard about this app called Citizen App. Oh, yes. Yep. Okay. So she's been sending me the reports on Citizen App uh, that from LA and they just crack me up. <laughs> they so crack <laughs> Because some people take it very seriously and I'm not one of those people. (laughs) They crack me up. She sent me one like um, report of woman with a a machete threatening women. 
or yeah. <laughs> America Shield. There was someone with like a machete on a um, on a skateboard. Oh I mean, yeah. I should. There's things I feel bad about laughing at, but I yeah. think living in a city, living in the cities for my entire adult life, you you can't take it seriously. I mean, you can't take it too seriously. Yeah. Um, obviously, if I saw someone with a machete on a skateboard, I would be alarmed. Yeah. But, but when that comes across, it is pretty funny. Yeah, but it's mostly about nude people doing something or <laughs> flashing people or those one. Well, there's like, a lot of um, exposure. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I just she, so they crack me up. She sends me those uh, the, the real funny ones that she yeah. finds on Citizen App. And I was like, how do even more? <laughs> I can imagine. I was like, but how crazy is LA? Because this is the kind of thing that I would expect from New York, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, things that I've lived myself in big cities in Europe, but LA, seriously, I was I was a bit uh, surprised. But that sounds like it's a, a quite a, a colorful and interesting city. It, it is. You know, there's actually a quote, and I can't remember who said it. That said, um, if you um, take the U.S. and kind of tip it outside and kind of shake it out, all the remnants kind of land in L.A. So it's just kind of like it's it's a really interesting city in that, you know, there is a lot to it. There are a lot of dimensions that I think people don't expect. Um, I will say, I think the people are very similar, similar to Chicago. Like I, I, you know, when people say that L.A., like the people are different here versus Chicago or New York. I don't agree all that much. I think we all have the same basic needs and wants and and frustrations about, you know, city life. Um, But I think there's also so many similarities. I think we might, you know, dress slightly different or like, you know, I I think there are differences, but but there are actually more similarities. And when I was in Chicago, I did not have citizens. But I I would be willing to bet that uh, those reports that come across are not terribly different in Chicago or or even New York. Yeah, yeah, I, I can imagine too. It's just, I don't know. I think that I love cities too. I'm such a city gal as well. Um, I I can't stand being in the countryside for more than a week. It drives me insane yeah. because I feel there's like a lack of everything. Like there's a lack of movement, of noise, of people, of things to do. And it's just like, it, it drives me crazy. I need to yeah. be near, I need to be in a city. Uh, the hustle and bustle kind of uh, like energizes me. So, oh, absolutely. So yeah, I can imagine, I mean, being in a city, you get to see a lot of, of crazy, strange and interesting things. Right, I mean, even, you know, I live in, in the middle of LA, it's a pretty dense, diverse neighborhood and it's fantastic. Like during the pandemic, um, we did not leave the neighborhood very much, um, but we didn't really need to. Um, and it's not boring, you know? I mean, I think, you know, everyone has made do and um, it helps that we really like where we live, including our immediate area. So, yeah, I mean, we were um, locked down, not for the same, you know, reasons that you are, you know, that's totally different. Um, I do relate to kind of, you know, kind of the world's getting smaller, but yeah, I think um, being child-free does make it easier. Oh, definitely. And we're going to get to that. Um, but I want to talk to you a little bit about your, um, what you do as a graphic designer, because before this interview, I actually went into your website. I checked out your portfolio. This is the thing. I'm a frustrated graphic designer. Like that's something that I would have loved to do. Uh, (laughs) a lot of graphic designers are frustrated graphic designers. (laughs) 
Like that's something that I'm so interested in. I love, you know, colors and, you know, just the whole thing I have. Okay. I'm addicted to Pinterest and I have a whole pin, a pin board of graphic design of things that just kind of like catch my eye. I have no idea how to make them. I don't know how to use those programs. Yeah. So I just want to ask you, why did you get into it? What have your biggest wins as a graphic designer have been? Just tell me a little bit about what you do. Sure. Um, So it was kind of inevitable almost, I think. Um, I think I've always been a designer. I just didn't really know it was a career path for um, a while. I think I was, you know, at least a year into um, my BA. Um, I actually started off (laughs) pre-med And I started, you know, kind of learning more about like marketing type careers. And I was always, you know, kind of a good artist in school, but I really hadn't put the, you know, the potential career potential, you know, into into my head. And also, you know, I come from kind of a very kind of like blue collar, kind of like not necessarily creative, you know, family in terms of career. So going towards an artistic type job um, was a bit unique. There really wasn't that much of a precedent, but the more I learned about design careers, the more it just felt really right. Like I knew like deep down that this is something I'm good at and, you know, it comes naturally. Um, so like, it just, it made sense. And once I started working as a designer, um, it, you know, just continued to feel right. And I've worked for multiple companies, um, in, various industries over the last 20 years. And, you know, it's almost kind of like my comparison with cities. There are more similarities across all these clients and companies than there are differences. People ask me, you know, what what type of company do you want to work with or, t- you know, type of product? And honestly, it's more important that I connect with that client on kind of a personal, respectful, professional level than the actual item or service, um, you know, or, or product that I'm, you know, helping them, um, you know, market. Um, so I, yeah, I really enjoy it. And I, for about 15, 16 years, I was working for various companies, um, in-house or in a small agency and just kind of getting frustrated. Um, and even though I always thought of freelancing as super risky, I'm not, a risk taker, or at least I don't think so. Although as I get older, maybe I am. Um, I decided, you know what? I'm prepared. People like working with me. I have like a broad skill set. I design a lot of things. Let's give it a shot. And um, you know, it's being a small business owner is definitely not easy, but I enjoy it. I think it's more fulfilling, and I have more control over what I do day to day, and that feels really good. Absolutely. You know, uh, something really resonated with me when you were talking about that it was more about the company and not about the product. And I think you meant like their values, right? You want to work with people and companies whose values you align with. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, even it's funny, like even if the company like isn't necessarily, you know, a company I would shop at or, you know, like use their services, like on a personal level, you know, a company can be the best company ever. And I, I, you know, love what they do, but if my direct contact drives me crazy or, you know, isn't respectful or, you know, I I feel like that when it comes down to it, that is what I think makes probably any career really fulfilling. Like I, I I would expect that 
you know, if you enjoy the people you're interacting with, um, I feel like that is huge. Um, and I, I've discovered that as I've gotten older. So like, again, you know, like I had a, a big entertainment client uh, for a couple of years and I'm not in entertainment, even though I'm in LA, entertainment is not at the top of my list in terms of client base, but my contact there was amazing. So now I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, you know, even if a client doesn't strike me as my ideal client or company, I'll take that call. I'll take that Zoom meeting. I'm almost always glad I did because it's that person on the other end that is the other half of the partnership. And that's, that's critical. It is. It is. Absolutely. I like, you know, as a small business, I mean, you get the, that flexibility too to, you know, to choose who you work with. And I think that's very important. And if you're good at your job, then, you know, you, you can even uh, tell people, no, you know, I don't, I don't want to work with you because you'll yeah, find somebody to work with. Yeah. And which times. And can you, can you share the reasons why? Sure. Um, you know, I think in, thankfully, this is really rare and has really only happened a few times over the course of my career. You know, when I'm in house or when I was in house, it's a little trickier for someone to um, decide, you know, oh, you know, I'd rather not work with Angie. Number one, because, you know, if you're in-house, that's kind of what you're there for. And number two, they were always kind of the lone voice because, you know, I, I'm really proud to say that my feedback from clients, whether in-house or as a freelancer, is, is so positive, which, is, which I'm really happy with because I work really hard at, you know, making those partnerships positive and good. Um, so when there is a dissenting voice, you know, I can look back at the other 99% of the people I work with and realize, okay, this was probably not about me. And, you know, that's another thing that I think, um, you know, improves with age where you're like, okay, you know, this person was upset for some reason. I was the next person who emailed, <laughs> you know? So I think it's, I think it has more to do with that, um, which, you know, is, is easier to say at 41 than at 21. Um, <laughs> I don't ever want to be 21 again. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I wish I um, enjoyed the metabolism more. <laughs> you know, eat anything. I did not eat enough cake. <laughs> <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed my 20s. I have, like, I think I ate everything I wanted to eat and I drank all the alcohol and I went <laughs> to all the parties and I kissed all the boys. And oh, after. It's also, I had fun, but I think if I like, talk about 20 year old self, I'd be like, have more, have more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I turned 30 and I was like, okay, that's done. Let's adult now because, uh, yeah, and I don't feel like an adult still. I'm 38 years old and I don't feel like an adult. Like there's a big part of me that still feels like a kid. Do you feel that way too? You know, it's, it's weird. I, I've always, I was that kid that people said like, oh, she's 12 going on 30. So I don't think I was ever necessarily childlike, but on the other hand, I don't feel like, I don't know, I think 40s is 40s considered middle age at this point. Like, I don't feel like that fits. Like, I feel, I, I don't know. I don't know where I feel like I am um, age-wise because I think I've always been kind of in like in my 30s, <laughs> if it makes <laughs> sense. Like, um, like born in my 30s, I feel like I still am. I, I don't know. 
yeah, it's kind of weird, my relationship with age. I don't think about it a lot, but I, I think I'm in a kind of interesting um, age where I feel like uh, the one thing I can say about, I think, turning 40 is I did become even more outspoken. Um, and I think that happens a lot uh, with women as we get older. And, um, and it's pretty great. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. So you are child-free as well, of course, and yeah. uh, I would really like to know how you came to that decision and how it was with your partner as well. You're married, right? You have a husband. Yes, yes. Okay, so I would really like to hear your story. Sure. So um, I, you know, wasn't even a decision to be child-free. I think it was a decision to stick with what I knew was true for me. I have never been on the fence. Um, I've, I've always known that like that just did not seem appealing, you know, even as a kid. And, you know, I, I remember, I think being maybe 12 years old or, or around there. And I think at the dinner table, <laughs> like, you know what, I'm not going to have kids. I don't want to have kids. And I remember very vividly my dad saying that's selfish. And I I think in the 30 years after that, I, my parents have, they get it. And I don't think my dad would say that to my face as an adult. But, you know, it's, you know, it's just a matter of like, you know, sticking to what, like, I know to be true. And thankfully, I didn't really get a ton of pressure. Um, you know, I think my mom, I think wish she, she had grandkids, but she also sees some of her peers kind of being used as free babysitters yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't have to do that or deal with that. And, you know, I think, I think they've come around to the fact that this is just how I am. And I don't think they would want me to, to go against that. And, and what, what's really great about online dating, which is how I met my husband is you can be really upfront you know, with those profiles, you know, that I'm like, I'm not having kids. I don't have kids. Like I, this is, you know, this is not, you know, I, and of course guys don't always read. <laughs> but, yeah. I was going to say <laughs> they don't, yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I did what I could. And then, you know, when I met Paul, it's my husband, um, you know, again, I was like really upfront with, about that. And he describes it as like not having really thought a lot about having kids or not having kids. I think he had expected that, you know, whoever he met would probably want to, and that he would probably be fine with that. But in the years since we've been together for 11 or 12 years now, we both recognize and, you know, take note of the things that we're able to do that would be difficult or impossible if we'd had kids. So I think, um, I think it's been a good decision for the both of us and for our marriage. And that's in the end, what matters, you know, mm -hmm. that it is the best decision for you and your marriage in this case. Yep. You know, it's interesting because, you know, you mentioned online dating and I've been online, I've been doing online dating for a while now and yeah, they don't read. No, they don't. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they use don't. photos that are 10 years old. Yeah, they don't read. They're they're cat. They're all catfishing anyway. That's practically what's happening. They're catfishing us. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but um, it's true. And I, you know, I often tell, I tell them I don't want kids as soon as I get the opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and usually their answer is, oh, too bad. I do want to have kids. Nice to meet you. Bye. Oh. Um, which I think it's good. I mean, they're being also, yeah. you know, they're also being honest about what they want. I think it would be oh. even, I, I think it would be worse to find somebody who said, oh, yeah, I don't want kids uh, either. And then they think that maybe you will change your mind, you know? Yeah. That's just dishonest. I mean, that's, and I feel like that speaks to even uh, bigger issues, probably. Yeah, but that happens a lot. So, um, you know, it's interesting because um, going back to the, the whole child-free thing, one of the things that I've learned by doing this podcast is that everyone has their own different story, right? And it's it's like some people have known forever. Some people have known not for a long time. Mm-hmm. Some people have been on the fence for a while. And um, so that, that's why I like to like ask people, you know, about this, this specific thing. And um, since you've known for, you know, a very long time, since you were very, very young, have you felt that, you know, being child-free has limited you in a way or contrary, like total opposite of that? It has been actually something that has boosted your life in, in, in any way. I think it's been 100% positive. Like, I, I really, I'm trying to think of a negative and I really can't. I mean, there's the only negative I can think of is some of the reactions that I've gotten when I say I'm child-free, not having kids. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, that's not really my problem. So um, it's more kind of amusing than anything. Um, but no, like I, you know, if there are any negatives, they are just completely outnumbered by all the positives. I agree with you. We all get bingo anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we all get sad things like you're going to regret it. Who's, who's going to take care of you when you're old? Uh, you're not a real woman. Blah blah. Oh. blah. There's just so many of them. I, I, I've, I think I've heard them almost all. And for me, it's just every time I hear them, it's just comical now, you know? Yeah, we should like keep bingo cards in our back pocket. <laughs> like, should. oh, nicely. I, I was waiting for that swear. Thank you. <laughs> You know, I actually published a bingo card in my social media like a month ago or something. And somebody did send me a message like, I'm going to print this. I'm going to put it in my wallet. And every time I get bingo, I'm going to take the card out until I complete them all. And I thought it was funny, but I think it's actually meant for that. You know what? I I think, um, yeah, if we're, if multiple people are talking about this around the world, I think it, I think it needs to happen. Like we should do like global child for bingo challenge. For yeah. the first one to get the whole, all the bingos, you know, wins a prize or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I love, you know, taking situations that are potentially very upsetting, like, you know, being bingoed is not, it's not fun. Uh, well, it depends. If it's, a, if it's a stranger telling you, well, whatever, it can go fuck themselves. But if it's yeah. somebody that you care about and you love, it's a completely different thing. Um, but I do like taking situations that, like I said, that can be potentially upsetting and like turn them around, give them like a twist. I think it's the best way to like cope with them. Right. Absolutely. I mean that, you know, I've, I've gotten some interesting reactions, you know, like, you know, being just blunt and honest, but, you know, again, that's, you know, with age, you just, you know, worry less about, um, other people's perceptions and judgment and just kind of, you know. Yeah, live your life in an authentic way. Absolutely. Um, there's something that you sent me in your email, uh, part of your bio, and it says that you credit being child-free for making it simpler to start your own business. Mm-hmm. 
to be an activist and to travel internationally. Yeah. So I would like to know how and uh, yeah, just how do you how do you think being Chelsea has made it simpler? Sure. So when it comes to travel, I think part of it is that my husband and I, and even before we met, like I, you know, being uh, an urbanite, I go, I love to go to other cities, and you know, cities in a lot of ways are not necessarily super child centric, especially if you want to, you know, you know, a lot of kids like in you know, um, small kids in museums. I mean, I've, I've seen um, a museum docent actually like freak out at like a toddler who touched this priceless um like 500 year old um tapestry and I was, I was just like I'm so glad I don't have to yeah, deal with that yeah. um, <laughs> that kind of thing and um and you know any travel is expensive um so the fact that we go where we want to you know and not you know needing to think about okay well you know are is this kind of a child appropriate or safe activity and in terms of activist activism like the last you know four or five years in the U.S. I've become more um, active um, in, in expressing my political beliefs and standing up for what I think is right. And, you know, in the last, you know, three, four, five years, that's involved, you know, getting on the streets. And it is overwhelmingly safe. I mean, the, the amount of arrests or injuries are, are just a tiny fraction, and they're very often um, instigators. But there have been a few situations where, you know, I started to feel like, okay, this, this might not be super safe and kind of evaluating where I wanted to be. Um, and, you know, this it sounds kind of extreme, but I, I've had the thought of, okay, if I get mowed down by a counter protester or a police car, you know, I don't have three kids waiting at home um, for me. I, th there's less writing on me being able-bodied and healthy. I, I think I'm able to stick my neck out in a way that I think I would feel a little less likely to if I was responsible for other human beings. Um, and, you know, in terms of small business too, I, you know, I was able to, um, you know, leave my really well-paying job with health benefits and everything and, you know, go on my husband's insurance and, you know, for a good while, make less than I was because, uh, you know, we're not saving for, you know, um, a kid's college. We're not paying for daycare. You know, our, our needs are, are pretty um, finite and pretty um, small in comparison to, I think, a family who is, yeah, saving for college or paying, you know, off the loans that they already have, student loans, um, you know, healthcare expenses needing to be close to schools or choosing where they live based on schools. So there's, there are a lot fewer considerations that we take into account when we're making decisions. And I think that in the end makes decisions more, um, you know, more clear. And I think more tied to what we, and I like, you know, what we feel we need um, and what's true to us and um, less about, you know, other needs that are very often kind of in opposition to, you know, people who like, you know, like living in cities and having, um, you know, that additional freedom to, um, you know, take risks, whether it's business, whether it's kind of activism, um, travel. I think there's, you know, dozens of other reasons why, 
we are able to do what we do more easily because, you know, it's just us and our dog. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think, you know, and I understand why parents would be, would take less risks. Like I totally get it. Um, They need to, you know, have some sense of stability, financially speaking, for example, because they have the children and also it's rare to see somebody who, for example, uh, does extreme sports mm-hmm. after they have a child, it's rare to see them doing it. Like still there's this yeah. sort of like preservation thing that kicks in, right? Like I need to live because my children need me. Right. And I totally get it. I think it made sense for sure. Yeah. I mean, like I, it's funny, I don't consider myself like a, <laughs> that much of a, a risk taker or daredevil, but there are a few things like a, you know, gone hang gliding. Um, I like helicopters. <laughs> like there are a few things that like are actually pretty safe, um, all things considered. But I probably would um, think twice maybe about, you know, doing these things that are, are, are safe, but, you know, there are, there are risk factors that, um, you know, should, uh, should something go wrong, you know, your kids' lives are turned upside down. Like that is not um, a worry that I have. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, um, you know, to the, you know, your comment about being an activist and going out there and like standing up for what you believe in. I love, I, I mean, I think that people need to stand up a little bit more for what they believe in. Agree with you more. And especially people who have children, I think, I mean, we are child free and we're like, yes, we believe in this and we need to like fight for this. But in the end, we're going to yeah. be in, in this earth for how many more years? Yeah. Um, it's the next generations that are actually the ones going to have to, you know, uh, t- going to have to live through the consequences of the choices yeah. that politicians and countries are making today. Mm-hmm. And also um, you mentioned, you know, how traveling is expensive. And it's funny because I love traveling too. And people are like, yeah, but you can travel with a child. And you're like, yes, I can, but <laughs> it's a lot more expensive. Not the same trip. Uh, the logistics of traveling with a child are complicated. Yeah. Uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't just kind of like take the kid, uh, I don't know, walking up Mount Kilimanjaro, if that's what I want to do. You know what I mean? Like there are things that, um, and I do know that parents can travel. Of course they can but it's not, it's never the same kind of, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it's the same kind of trips. Right. And I think, you know, I'm I'm sure parents would say, you know, in some ways it could be more special sharing what you enjoy with your kid. But I think, you know, it does depend on age um, and, you know, what the kids are interested in. If they're interested, I think that could be a cool experience. Um, But if they're not, that could just be painful for everyone involved and and everyone around them, (laughs) you know, like, um, you know, living in LA, you know, we're, we're pretty co- close to um, Disneyland or Disney World. I always get them mixed up, but we go every few years, just, you know, um, so close. And I see so many like infants, infants at Disney World. And like, what are they getting out of this? Like, they can't even focus their eyes yet. <laughs> um, but parents are, you know, like, first trip to Disney, like, your kid, you know, for whom? For whom? <laughs> because, they're not going to remember this. Like, you know, I went to a theme park, I think the first time when I was eight, because my parents, like, it made more sense. And I, and I enjoyed it. And I remember it. But um, I think sometimes, you know, I think the parents are just kind of, 
there's there's some interesting mental gymnastics that I've hear, heard parents do in regards to like, yeah, you know, like I'll take our two month old to Disneyland or, um, or, you know, people that are concerned about their envi- environmental impact of having kids, but will still justify it in, in really interesting ways. But yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to travel, it's just a different trip and, and it works for some parents. It clearly does work for some parents, but um, I can't imagine um, enjoying travel on a personal level um, in nearly the same way if I did have kids. Oh, I completely agree with you. And I was actually going to say uh, Disneyland or Disney World. I don't know which one's which. I've been to the one in Orlando, like I said. Okay, yeah. Um, it sounds to me like if every time I think about being a parent and going to Disney World or Disneyland with a child, it sounds like a nightmare to me yeah. because <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I know that some kids uh, can get tired from walking. Some kids can get mm-hmm. fuzzy, at the heat, the whatever. Right. They're hungry. Yeah. They want to pee. They want to. It's just like, oh my god. I no, it is. There's a, yeah. It's a kind of stressful, you know, and and understandably. Although, you know, and you know, everyone copes their own way. I've seen parents that, you know, are, um, you know, a kid that is. Um, you know, in a stroller at an age that most people might think they're, they're not maybe too big for a stroller. That's interesting, you know, and I also, I try to tell myself there are many reasons, you know, there might be kind of a physical issue. Who knows? I try to be understanding that, you know, what we see is not always what we, we think is going on, but yeah, it's like the sea of strollers. I just like, it's a sea of strollers um, left outside of these rides and it's just, I don't understand it. I think fundamentally, I just don't understand it. I agree with you. But this is the thing, because there's everything for everyone in this world. <laughs> then parents are the ones who need to, you know, make the logistics of that happen. And we mm-hmm. child-free people don't need to even bother about it. Right. And I think, you know, I mean, there are times where, you know, I think child-free people do understandably get frustrated um, that there is kind of this pro-natalist kind of thing that like we all must like children we all must kind of like you know it takes a village to raise a child and I think to an extent that's true um I am happy to pay taxes for schools I you know that is I don't have the slightest bit of um, hesitation for that but you know when it comes to you know being at maybe a nice restaurant for an anniversary and having you know a child just scream um, for a good hour or two, that's where I think, um, I think child-free people do understandably, like, have a reason to say, like, ah, you know, like, we, we are part of the community, but we also have the right to, you know, enjoy our individual lives and, and days and, and meals, um, too. So I think it's a balancing act, and I think it's, um, you know, ongoing, and it's different every day. Yeah, absolutely. And I really like about being child-free that you know there's no such thing as routine as well like you could there could be of course like if you have to work or if you have to like if you work out every day of course I'm I'm, what I'm trying to say is that we don't we're not limited by the routine of somebody else basically right yeah right I mean I think yeah the closest we get to um that is our dog but he's amazing so like you know everyone I know thinks that they have the best dog and I'm sorry to say we have the best dog (laughs) but um 
but you know what like it's funny as you know he's about 10 or 11 as he gets older he has you know like slightly like increased needs but but he's just a joy and whatever you know um we think about like okay we need to you know maybe give him some more pee breaks we need to kind of keep an eye on uh, you know his his health a little bit more it still pales into pales in comparison to the worry and just the complications i think if if that was a situation involving like a human child yeah um it's just completely completely different and you know it breaks my heart when a pet is sick I can't imagine what it's like for, you know, a baby or, or, or a kid of any age, um, which I think also just kind of goes to the fact that I think child-free people have put so much thought into their decision or their their lifestyle because it's questioned all the time. But I feel like parents, for a variety of reasons, often don't put that much thought into it. And then, um, and then you know, are frustrated to find out later on that those routines that they enjoyed or that predictability, um, they don't really have anymore. I completely agree with you. Oh, well, this has gone by really fast. Uh, Angie, thank you so much again for coming to my show. It was such a pleasure to have you as a guest. Same pleasure to speak with you. Uh, Angie, is there anything else you would like to add to our interview? Anything at all? You know, I think in general, I, I think child-free women or people in general, I think we touch a nerve with people. And I, I, and I think it's not even so much about our decision to not be parents. I think in a larger sense, especially women who decide to be child-free, I actually think it's kind of representative of, you know, women stepping out of the box we've been put into. Like, I think there is, there's people that benefit from women, you know, um, (laughs) acting as as expected, um, and you know, kind of following you know a certain path in life. And when when we kind of break that mold, I think it really unsettles people. Um, and I think a number of different types of people, and for a variety of ways. So I think what's I think the at the core of it um, is just kind of this that we're confident enough and we're sure enough to say I'm not going to do it. And I'm not going to be apologetic about it. I think people that um, really benefit from women kind of staying in those roles are are thrown off. And I think those repercussions extend out with reproductive rights, um, you know, fair pay. It's I think it is beyond just kids. I think that is probably the the biggest easiest thing to point at. But I think there are ripple effects of just people stepping out of what we're expected to do and act and look like. Um, and I think, you know, that, you know, in a, in a way actually kind of extends to, you know, people that you know, are non-binary, people who have different types of relationships. I think there is an expansion of what is okay and what is understood in the world. Thank God. Um, I think there's, you know, obviously still really severe backlash against that. And I hope that continues to go away slowly. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think with kind of greater perspective, I think it is kind of all tied together. And I think women in particular and child-free women are just um, kind of lightning rods. And um, I think it makes us a lot, most of us stronger. I think once we kind of um, process it and, and see 
see the backlash for what it is. You know, it's really not about us. Um, it's, I think about other people's insecurities or, um, or, you know, how they benefit from, you know, us staying in, in our lane, so to speak. So, yeah, I think, um, I think it's bigger than just being child-free, but I think being child-free is a huge part of it. And I think it's a conversation that needs to keep happening. And I'm so um, pleased that I could be part of that. So I thank you so much, Isabel. Thank you, Angie. And I love everything that you just said and absolutely agree. Um, I will leave you my firecrackers uh, in the description of this episode, all of Angie's contact information. So I'll leave you her website. You have a LinkedIn, you have Instagram. I see here and anything else that uh, Angie, where, where you can contact Angie, basically. Yes, please uh, do. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks again for being here. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, Continue fueling your inner fire.